0: This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade. Try the all-new Tour Response, a tour-quality urethane ball that doesn't cost as much as a ball played on tour, only from TaylorMade. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn more. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully.
1: Hey, good morning, Toronto. Zucchino, Scully, Weeks, Good Morning Canada, whether you're listening on tsn.ca, our mobile app, iHeartRadio, TSN 1050 here in Toronto. The gang's all here. What a close call on the weekend at the Bermuda Championship. Almost a Canadian victory. Went to the Bermuda Championship, Adam, and an Open
2: Championship broke out.
1: What was that?
2: That was... Carnage. That was crazy. That was survival out there. The conditions were so challenging. I mean, not you know tee to green, obviously with the wind, with the rain, but putting too. The wind definitely affecting the putts. Like you said, a close call for Canadian Taylor Pendrith. I thought we had another Canadian close to the winner's circle. A great performance for Pendrith. A lot of good learning lessons for him going forward here. But what an unbelievable tournament that was.
1: It was pretty uh, pretty intense. uh I called his round on Saturday for PGA Tour Radio and uh we got Bob giving us the thumbs up now, so Bob's had some connection issues this morning, but he's back with us and uh it was it was um, it was a tough weekend to to it was a tough Sunday to watch. He just got out of the gates pretty tough. And uh anyway, make a long story short, we'll make a, a deep dive in our next segment. We'll hear from Taylor Penrith and we'll hear from uh our eventual winner, Lucas Herbert, who Maybe he shouldn't be a surprise. He was a three-time winner on the European Tour and, and now gets it done on the PGA Tour. We'll have our Twitter poll question uh, later on. We want to know from you, our Twitter audience, and you can jump in at Golf, Tan- uh, at Golf Talk Canada. We'll also give you our results from last week. Last week, we asked you at the end of this year who's going to be number one in the world. We'll put a bow on that and let you know who you decided will be number one in the world. Both Bob, Adam, and I, we all thought, with all due respect to John Rahm, we all went with Colin Morikawa. We'll see who you, the Twitter universe, went with. This week, we're asking you very simply: Who has a better chance of completing a career Grand Slam in 2021? Rory McIlroy at the Masters, Jordan Spieth at the PGA Championship, Phil Mickelson at the U.S. Open, or other? That is the Twitter poll question, and we'll we'll jump into that later on in the show. We're also going to do. An entire segment on a BMI bonnet, basically. I-, I am shocked. Bob, good morning to you. I understand we're good to go now with you. Bob, okay, first of all, I've been under the headset for four days when this uh, news broke, so I've only been able to read it. I have not heard any commentary on it. I know we're going to get into to it later. But is this the LIV Golf Corporation? Is it LIV? How do we pronounce this thing that Norman has attached himself to that has sickened me?
3: Uh, live and let die, maybe. I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> I don't know what you call it, to be honest with you. I'll have to figure that one out. I haven't heard anyone actually say the words. I don't know if it's, like you said, L-I-V or live, but yeah, we'll get into that in a deep dive, I'm sure, a little later. We all have some thoughts on that, I'm sure. Oh,
1: we're going to go deep on this, and you know, part of it is right there. The reason none of us actually know what to call this is because any media who would ask any real questions was banned from the room last week when they had this uh, little closed-door meeting. so, And is that surprising at all? So anyway, we'll get into that. And maybe, just possibly, there is more formal announcements expected this week on what this is. It could actually come while we're on the air this morning, so we'll have to keep mm-hmm. our eye on that as well. Um, we are going to hear from Trevor Immelman. Bob spoke with Trevor Immelman earlier this week about the upcoming President's Cup, which is going to be at Quail's Hall, uh, Quail Hollow, which is an awesome venue. Um, usually reserved for major championships like the PGA and the Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo moving to the Washington, D.C. area this year because of it. And that will take place later on in the year. Looking forward to that. I believe it's end of September, the President's Cup this year. So that's going to be an exciting one just in North Carolina, just outside, uh, outside Charlotte. Woo! You know, every time <laughs> we say Charlotte, we've got to give you a nature boy. We'll do winners. Weird or what, we'll get all to it. But first, let's get to some news and headlines.
0: News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger, everybody knows one.
1: Right off the top, just want to give a congratulations to Nick Kenny, who is the uh, teaching director of the National Golf Club of Canada. The Canadian PGA handed out their head professional championship down at Lookout Point in Niagara this week. Uh, they battled through some really severe weather. Nick shooting seven under par, basically in winter conditions. Wow, what a performance. And he edges out Danny King and uh Gord, uh, Gord Burns, who are both great players, by four. They were three under par, and uh, well done. Those are great scores in that weather. Shout out to uh, T.J. Alderdice, who's the president of the PGA of Canada, who can play. He finished in a tie for six, with, along with our friend uh, Bruce Rogerson as well, uh, who's our uh, golf director at... Uh, at Muskoka Bay. So congratulations to everybody. I see Kier Smith in there, Eddie Monder, a lot of friends, a lot of friendly faces that I got to see earlier this year at the Pro-Am at Muskoka Bay. So congratulations to them. Great performance and well done, Nick. Bob, an updated rules to the amateur status in the game of golf by the Royal and Ancient and the USGA. I think this was long overdue. Uh, there is now sponsorship opportunities available. You, if even guys like, uh, you know, corporate events can accept prizing like they've been doing for years, and not affecting their amateur status. I think this is more of a catch-up than it is revolutionary.
3: Shocking, isn't it, that the yeah. uh, RNA and the USGA <laughs> would be playing catch-up? I know, uh, just when it comes with so many other rules that they've had. But you're right. This one, this one makes a lot of sense. And basically, it comes down to three letters: N, I, L. Name, image, likeness. This is very similar to what the NCAA just did, and now uh, top amateur players can get. Compensated for their name, for their image, for their likeness, and the big part about it for me is is now you can you can receive payment for your travel so if you are a top flight amateur golfer, you play in a lot of competitions, you might play the north and south, you might play the porter cup you know there 's all sorts of great events that you would play, but it takes a lot of money <laughs> unless you have a, a rich family or some sort of means of of subverting your your fees and I think a lot of people were somehow getting this kind of money anyway so now this is just above the table instead of below the table which makes a lot of sense for for the top amateurs and as you said now you can uh, you can receive prizing at your at your corporate event although I noticed that some of the uh, big betting money is still maybe not quite as uh, as allowed as it would be there's a couple of gray areas in there but overall this makes sense and as you said this is just catching up to what's happening out there anyway
1: See, yeah, I've got friends that are 15 handicaps that lost their amateur status about 20 years ago because they make about 10 grand a year with their uh, 15 handicaps so,
3: yeah exactly
1: uh walker cup too back and forth on that walker cup bob this cost a fortune hey eh? we're going to go play great britain and ireland and that's got that's five grand deep right there on that trip so yeah exactly uh, adam what's the largest prize you've ever uh received if the top of your mind as an am whether it's a club event team event what about you what do you and mama Scullys receive yeah for, that's, I mean, for you know wins what? there
2: yeah, I mean, looking back, I'm a two-time uh, junior match play champion. So I think $100 in the pro shop was what I got <laughs> that. And I think the same thing for the other major championships. I've been a part of the uh, the parent-child with Mama Skulls. Mm-hmm. And I think it was around $100. So uh, my amateur status might be in question here. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's the most I, I've taken. Bob, what about you?
3: Well, I have, a, I have a great story about a guy who was a... Uh... A, a touring professional, Canadian touring professional made way back in the way. I think his name was James Harper. I hope I have that right. Anyway, he was a golf professional, played on the Canadian tour, didn't really make a go of it, got his amateur status back. The year he got his amateur status back, he made a hole-in-one, won a car. There goes your amateur status to accept Aww. the car, right? Those kind of things. Now, I don't know if those have changed, but nice. it was a short-lived uh, venture back to amateur status.
1: Uh, Before we go to break, because we are going to go short here in Segment 1 because we have a lot of Bermuda Championship to get caught up on in Segment 2, my favorite turning pro story is Jason Bone with the Mm hole-in-one. Bob, do you remember that? Remember that? He jars a hole-in-one. Was it a A million-dollar hole-in-one prize? Yeah, Yeah. accepts the million dollars by getting a hole-in-one and turns professional and and, and ends up having a, a pretty decent playing career after it as well for Jason Bone. So... That's a cool story. Before we go to break, happy birthday, Gary Player. Bob, do you want to do it in Gary Player voice?
3: Uh No, I better not.
1: Are you sure? <laughs> yes, it's a weird,
3: I am 87 years old and very happy
1: and jack you're fit and i'm still fit
3: (laughs) yes i've flown more miles than anybody else in the world that's what his record is right he claims that's it that's it
1: and he squats while he's going back and forth while the rest of us are sitting sipping wine and eating bad chips out of a bag he's squatting the whole time funny just quickly before we go i remember the one of the first years i was at, at augusta about 20 years ago was par par three competition and you know gary jack and arnie were playing together in the par three competition and you know I think everybody's got a crazy Gary Player story, but we were kind of around that par-3 ninth tee, that last hole where they hit it over the water. And I, and I, and we were pretty close. And you could overhear a player suggesting, telling everybody how great shape he was. And this was not supposed to be a public conversation. This was a, a conversation on the team. He was telling everybody what kind of great shape he was. And, and I think he suggested to Jack that Jack could get on his back and, and Gary could swim across to the green at night. (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable. All right, guys, on the other side, a close call for Taylor Penrith, but more tools in the tool chest, a great win by Lucas Herbert, and some other great notes from the Bermuda Championship. This is Golf Talk Canada.
0: This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade. Try the all-new Tour Response, a tour-quality urethane ball that doesn't cost as much as a ball played on tour. Only from TaylorMade. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn more. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com. The smartest way to shop for golf.
1: And welcome back to GTC. Zucchino, Weeks, Scully, we're all here. We're going to jump into the Bermuda Championship storyline. Lucas Herbert, a three-time winner on the European Tour, gets it done. It's his first win on the PGA Tour. An amazing, really weak uh, opening with a one-under par 70 uh 65 65 69 the weather absolutely horrific part of the story and of course for canada huge story with taylor Penrith. before we get into weather before we get into taylor Penrith, let's hear from lucas herbert on his first ever pga tour victory
2: it was pretty tough out there uh, i'm not sure whether i brought it on any more than i needed to with uh, what i said yesterday but it, d- it definitely wasn't easy out there um And I know Taylor didn't play the way he would have liked. I think he maybe finished four or five over there, but he played so much better than that. And he was, he he really did play well in that wind. It was just a couple of bad breaks here and there that just maybe cost him a little bit in the end. But yeah, it was just a day where even par one under par was going to be a really good score.
1: The Australian gets it done. First PGA tour win. Bob, how horrific was the weather uh, this week? I mean, I think collectively for if you, on the Thursday Sunday combo, two of the worst days I've seen in in maybe ages, maybe since that Open Championship, where they had to call remember call it after a few holes. I think it was at St Andrews at fifteen or sixteen off the top of my head. I can't remember. It's either twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen Open Championship. Um, twenty fifteen. Was there another one since then that? It felt like an uh, open anyway.
3: It seems like they've had a lot of them, but there were, certainly that was the wind one where they got a few guys went out there and the balls just couldn't keep on the green. I remember that. We were staying was we at St. Andrews and we were staying in a house about five minutes from the golf course and I did some laundry that night and, you know, it's typical over there. They don't have any dryers, so I put my underwear out in the line to dry and with the wind, I think my underwear dried in like about four minutes. It was just <laughs> like so strong. You couldn't believe the strength of it, but yeah, this Thursday and uh, and Sunday were just... I mean uh, there was that one scene where they halted play yesterday for about ten minutes, and the guys were sort of kneeling down huddled down beside this brick wall and with their umbrellas in there and they just looked like they had just uh, you know washed up in a in a hurricane from uh, some ship or something and it crashed but it certainly played havoc with a lot of shots. And listen, everybody's got to play in the same weather. And Lucas Herbert was one of those guys who just said, I love it. I'm going to embrace it. Bring it on, you know. And that's that's the attitude you need when it gets to be like that.
1: Yeah, a lot of great stories here. Lucas uh, Herbert, Danny Lee on a major medical, fighting back in the end to keep his status there. Patrick Rogers refocused to the game. He's playing well. Uh, there's a few other good stories that I know the Bob's going to touch on and I'm going to touch on in Winner's Weird and What. Um, Monday qualifier, Patrick Flavin had it going most of the day. Um, it, it was kind of a good story. Uh, Adam, uh, Bob didn't finish that story. He hung his underwear out to dry at St. Andrews that year, but he picked them up at Carnoustie was the funny <laughs> thing. That. How bad was that? When you were, did you think, let me ask you this, uh, Adam, when you were taking, uh, when you're watching that golf yesterday, seeing on the front nine, did you think some of those scores we saw were actually out there? Cause I really thought that even par would have likely won that golf tournament. And in retrospect, even if Taylor Pendereth shoots even par, I guess he would have won. He had enough of a cushion. But I mean, you know, I thought 73 would have been a great score out there. He ends up shooting 76. We're going to hear from him momentarily. But I think that, I think that's a skewed number. I think if you take the seven, the 17th hole off the board, I'm like without that this number looks a lot worse than it actually is.
2: Yeah, for sure. And obviously, you know, the, the putts weren't falling for him yesterday uh, on Sunday. No birdies uh, for Taylor Pendrith in the final round. Uh, it, just the conditions were, were so challenging. I mean, only hitting 10 of 18 greens uh, for Pendrith. Now, Lucas Herbert also only hit 10 of 18 greens. He shot two under Pendrith uh, his final round of five over. So uh, definitely uh, challenging conditions. Uh, Mark, to your early, earlier question to Bob about uh, the last time, you know, Open Championship was really challenging conditions. Remember the, the final round at Royal Port Rush when they yes. actually moved up the tea times, which yeah. they never do right. at the Open Championship. And they barely got that in because later that afternoon in Port Rush, it was just downpouring and they barely got that in. So we've seen some interesting uh, scoring conditions, but yesterday was quite challenging for
1: sure. Yeah, and we moved up tea times yesterday on the PGA Tour. Our broadcast was supposed to start at noon. Mm-hmm. I believe Eastern. We moved it up to 9 a.m. Uh, to just get ahead of TV a little bit on the radio side. It was crazy. Uh, we'll break down the Taylor story a little bit more. Where do we go from here? But uh, first, let's hear uh, Taylor Pender's comments on uh, yesterday's final round.
2: Not great. You know, I didn't really get off to a good start, but um, was kind of hanging around and um, didn't really have a good day on the greens. was leaving most putts short, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it was hanging around till the end, and um, unfortunate, 17th hole. But uh, to have a chance in the last couple holes was felt pretty cool. Uh,
1: I think he's got good perspective, Bob. I know the wound is fresh now, but 61 on Friday, just brilliant round on Friday, and so hard to follow up a low round with another good round. He shoots 65 on Saturday after a horrible start through the first six holes on Saturday. You know he was not heading in the right direction. Turns it around and almost has the round of the day. Uh, 65, only one uh, round better shot on the golf course that day to Taylor's 65. So with the lead, he goes back-to-back low. Again, I think it was the 17th hole yesterday skewing it. The thing that concerns me more than any of this, it was a rough day, and he mentioned it in his post-round comments, you kind of want to see him get some putts to the hole. He goes birdie-less with his length on those par fives and doesn't get putts to putts to the hole. Overall, I think it's a a building block week for Taylor Penriff. Those are my concerns. How are you looking at it?
3: Yeah. I mean, big picture. It is a building block, big picture. It's a great performance. Uh, Don't forget. He didn't even see that. He didn't get a practice run on the golf course. First time he saw the course was Thursday. So it's pretty good performance. He played great in the, in the crummy weather on, on Thursday. I think he was one under maybe uh, on Mm -hmm. that opening round. So, you know, there's a lot of things to like, but again, uh, this is an opportunity, and and I think he knows it. He, you know, he he didn't perform well like he should have, um, as you said. It, you know, the par five does sort of skew it, but he was nine under on the par fives heading into the final round, and on Sunday he played them in three over. Uh, you know, he did not make a birdie as you suggested. So there's a lot of there were a lot of struggles. I don't I don't particularly think it was oh I'm I'm nervous I'm in the middle of the you know I'm going to win the tournament kind of nervous. I think it was more about um about the weather and how to perform in the weather and how to play and once it sort of started to slip away a little bit I think he was struggling to try and hang on and get some of that magic that he would had the first three rounds to get back into his game
1: yeah I was a little surprised I know this weather can affect everybody very differently and, and people who ab- embrace it and stay in their cadence and stay in their routine tend to play well in it but from a ball flight standpoint you know Taylor was hitting a lot of penetrating low bullet type shots the whole week even on the days Even on Friday and Saturday, when the weather was good, he was going to that. I really thought that penetrating ball flight was going to be a real advantage to him. Plus the extra distance would be a real advantage to him on Sunday. It just didn't happen that way. Recently married. So congratulations to Taylor Penderth. I love the very short honeymoon. And he said to, uh, his his new wife, and we're going to Bermuda and then Mexico for our honeymoon. Oh, by the way, I'm playing golf and we're bringing the golf club. So (laughs) he's on his way to Mayakoba. Uh, Adam, uh, Mm -hmm more happy for you? Like, are you come out of this feeling good or do you come out of this feeling, Hey, no birdies on Sunday. Didn't get the putts to the hole
2: yeah to me this is still significantly under par for taylor pendrith he wasn't on any of our radars you know on last week's tsn edge picks heading into heading into into the bermuda uh championship and for pendrith too this is a pretty consistent run he's had 12 straight made cuts worldwide his last Mm -hmm. missed cut the u.s open so he's played well obviously made all four cuts early on in this pga tour season and he'll he'll learn from this you know maybe a little tentative with the putter uh, on sunday coming up short of the hole multiple times. But he'll, he'll take the, take this experience and, you know, going forward, be able to apply this when he's in the hunt. Again, who knows? Maybe that'll be this week.
1: Maybe it will be this week as he'll head to uh, Mayakoba for what is now called the World Technology Mayakoba Classic. A wonderful yes. golf uh, facility and beautiful resort on the Mayan Riviera, about 30 minutes west of Cancun. I've had the pleasure of calling that tournament a few times on location. They'll head there now, uh, and they'll also head to the RSM Classic uh, third week in November. What's the tournament I'm missing here, guys, on the schedule? What's in between Mayakoba and Georgia? I'm trying to remember. Oh, Sanderson Farms, I believe. Sanderson Farms might be the missing event on the schedule. Do I have that correct?
2: No, Houston, Houston. Oh, Houston's
1: new spot. That's right, the new spot for the Houston Open. Okay. Um, Before we go to break, Adam, you mentioned uh, Taylor Penriff, Not on our edge pick radar for myself, Bob, and yourself this week. Oh, Bob, did you have it?
3: I didn't, but I do a written column every week. It was well called Bob Weeks Pick 6, and I did have him in there. So I'll I'll take a a little bit of credit on that
1: Okay, good. Good stuff. Okay, from from an edge perspective, uh, Adam, with our picks, um, I feel like I don't know this because I haven't looked at it, Mm -hmm. but I was watching the golf unfold this week thinking, man, the three of us are getting slaughtered. How ugly was it? (laughs)
2: Uh, it wasn't as bad. We didn't really have anyone near the top of the leaderboard, but I don't think we had anyone who missed the cut. So uh, you guys were both high on Matt Fitzpatrick. Uh, Mark and I, we were both high on Mito Pereira. and, and They both, finished, made, they both th- made the cut. They both finished high for 30th. Bob and I had Adam Hadwin, who finished T46. Right. Uh, I had Peter I, Uline, who looked good until Sunday rolled around. Yeah, he was T34. Yeah, so I think, you know what, it was... For, you know, it's been an interesting start to our TSN edge pick season. Uh, I know when we started doing these uh, edge picks uh, last year for the Players Championship and onwards, I only had one victory in the whatever 24 events it was. And I already have two. A little right. humble brag there. But, um, I, I, you know, it's, it's tough, these early season events, right? Because, you know, some of the fields are really good. Some of them aren't. And, you know, this past week at Bermuda, there were a lot of value plays there, which... You know, I guess we'll see going forward here, the the, the field's a little stronger this week, so mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll still have a couple of double-ups this week, but hopefully we can get another victory.
1: We'll re- release those picks Wednesday at TSN Edge, so watch for those, our picks for the uh, World Technology Mayakoba Classic. Okay, on the other side, Bob caught up with a former Masters champion who is leading the way for the international team at uh, Quail Hollow in North Carolina. Uh, It is Trevor Immelman, and he spoke with Bob earlier in the week. We'll run that interview for you on the other side. This is Golf Talk Canada.
0: This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories.
1: Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Trevor Immelman will lead the international squad against Team USA later next year. Late September, Quail Hollow, Charlotte, North Carolina. Great major championship venue. Should be an exciting one. Maybe a few Canadians on this team, especially the way we've got Corey Connors going, Mackenzie Hughes going, Adam Hadwin seems to be finding form, and Taylor Penrith. We've got a, a big red and white wave coming, and that international team could use some help, so you never, never know. Following the Ryder Cup, just a, a few days after the Ryder Cup, Bob uh, reached out to Trevor and caught up on uh, what is coming next year for the international sque- uh, team. Here's Bob Weeks and Trevor Rimmelman.
3: And here is Trevor Immelman, the uh, captain of the international side on the President's Cup team. And Trevor, um, it was interesting when the Ryder Cup ended, Steve Stricker said it was a really demanding job and it was made more demanding because he had an extra year uh, to do it. You've got still one more year until uh, until the President's Cup gets going. But how has the job been so far?
4: Well, it's been a lot of fun. It's been an amazing honor uh, and, and something that I really have enjoyed up until this point. You know, I I can see uh, what Captain Stricker meant. There's absolutely a bit more to it than probably any of us realize when we're going into it. Uh, But, you know, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm fortunate that I have a great support system around me. My wife has has been there through thick and thin since we were in high school. So uh, she's been a great sounding board. And, um, you know, we, we can't wait. We're looking forward to it.
3: All right, let's, let's take the elephant out of the room here. That American side that just dominated the Europeans is pretty much the same group that you're going to face in a year's time. Um,
4: wow, they look pretty impressive. What are your thoughts? Yeah, they sure do. Um, it, it was an incredible performance. Uh, and, you know, on Sunday in particular, I got the feeling that they weren't satisfied. You know, they were trying to run that scoreboard up. And, you know, we, we heard Kentley and his sound talking about, you know, them wanting to get to 20 points um and so yeah they're they're not just good they were they were kind of irritable like like somebody had had, had really got under their skin and they wanted to send a message and uh you know as a competitor i i appreciate that uh i kind of like it actually that that they were showing that much the fight and determination and you know it felt like to me really the first time in a long time that that group of players really played to their potential. I mean, look, the average world ranking on that team was uh, just under nine. And so these guys are at the top of the leaderboards week in and week out, and they really did did show it. They came together as a great unit and played well. So we we absolutely have our work cut out for us. We knew that anyway. We didn't need the Ryder Cup to tell us that. Um, And so we'll do everything we can uh, to prepare Ourselves and, and and be familiar with the golf course and have our strategies in place, to uh, to where hopefully we can come here and um, play our best golf.
3: Can you can you learn something? Can you use what you saw at the Ryder Cup to help you in your planning?
4: I think so, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when you when you look at their team on paper, you get a real clear understanding for just how good they are, and you realize that we're going to have to do something very special. Particularly here, you know, on American soil, they're going to have their whole crowd behind them, like we saw at the Ryder Cup. Um, but yeah, you know, you can look at pairings and see how those guys played together. They all seem to win points and win games. So uh, you know, there's no real weakness there. We 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 just we just got to be ready. It's 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 quite simple. You got to be ready, and you got to get out there and play good golf and make a lot of putts and. And see if you can just find a way to build some momentum and and give yourself a shot on Sunday. I mean, that's really all we can hope for and try to plan for is, you know, can, can we find a way to have a chance to win this thing on Sunday? It, it, it's going to take a, a massive effort and a lot of great golf, but um, we're all up for it.
3: Uh, Ernie Els, back at the last President's Cup, did a great job at, at- Bringing together a team, you've got a new logo, you had a lot of team meetings, you had lots of practice rounds between potential players. How do you carry that forward?
4: Yeah, I just try to build on it. He did do an amazing job. He was an incredible captain, uh, really inspiring um, on and off the golf course uh, for all of our youngsters. We had seven rookies on the team and uh, man, they got right behind him. They bought into his system and his strategy uh the logo the shield that he um designed and gave us um felt like for the first time ever in the history of the presidents cup we we have an identity and that to me was a lot of fun to be a part of as an assistant uh and so yeah we're just trying to build on that you know i, I see us in a certain way like this fledgling sporting franchise you know and we're just trying to find a way to to build a nice base layer and start to to engage with our fans all over the world to to get behind the shield get get behind us as players and see if we can, you know, create a massive upset. You know, that's that's how I see it uh, for this President's Cup and for future President's Cups down the road because at the end of the day for this to be a, a compelling event you know, we as the international team need to to bring our side to it and and start competing strongly in, in these cups. Uh, a number of Canadians in the running,
3: and uh, I know I've spoken to pretty much all of them. They've all got this as a goal to make that that team of yours. What's your scouting report on on some of the Canadian prospects?
4: Yeah, um, you know, we've s- seen a lot of talent starting to come through. Uh, two guys that I've spent the most time with: Corey Connors and Mackenzie Hughes. Uh, fantastic guys. Um, You know, Corey Connors, sometimes when I I go out and walk some holes with him, I think he's like a, a robot or a machine. I mean, you've seen this guy hit the ball. It's like every shot is just this beautiful baby draw. And it's a real strength. I mean, he in the last couple of years has just become one of the best ball strikers on the PGA Tour. And I think for him right now, he's just trying to find that little secret sauce of um, you know, blending his whole game together to where he can win often, uh, and I absolutely think that that it it uh, is possible for him, and so it's going to be very interesting to see how he competes over the next year or so, um, and and how he starts to grow in confidence because as you know, he's he's subdued and he's quiet, um, he's he's not like gregarious with his actions or his emotional responses when he hits good shots and uh, so yeah it's going to be interesting to see how he develops uh, even more into an even greater player in the next 12 months McKenzie a little different his strengths for me are just an unbelievable short game I mean the guy putts so well uh, and under pressure too Uh, makes a number of, uh, of good solid putts when it really matters Uh, coming down the stretch. And it's interesting, um, you know, just observing him, he seems to really come into his own at the biggest tournaments. Uh, You think about the run he made uh, in the playoffs, the end of last season. um, And then some of the majors where he's got himself right up in the hunt going into the weekend. So those two guys are guys that I've I've started spending a lot of time with, trying to get to know them uh, more, understand what makes them tick, because uh, yeah, I mean, my my hope is to have those guys on the team.
3: Trevor, thank you. Uh, have a great year out there following these guys, and hopefully we'll have a, a few Canadians there to help you along the way.
4: Absolutely, thanks so much. Great to chat to you.
1: Trevor Rimmelman with Bob Weeks, he is the head captain of the international squad. So much great stuff there. It'd be interesting, you know, when he said the average. Official World Golf ranking of the American Ryder Cup team, which will likely look very similar when we get to the President's Cup, was under just under nine in the official World Golf ranking. That's just unbelievable that they wanted to run through the finish line to 20 points. Um, And I'm looking at I liked what he had to say about Mackenzie Hughes. It sounds to me like he's saying, hey, I need a guys that can perform in big events and great putters. I think that's already on his radar. I'm looking at the official World Golf Rankings. We have two international players right now inside the top 20. Uh, uh, excuse me, three. We've got uh, Louis Ustazen at 9, Deki Matsuyama at 12, and Abraham Anser at 14. Uh, Bob, Adam, I want to pose the same question to both of you. Bob, we'll start with you. What, what has to happen? And I don't mean make more putts and play better. But who needs to emerge? Is there a player that needs to emerge as the leader? Or do we need a wave from a certain country, like the return of the Australians, in order for this international team to be able to compete next year uh, I mean
3: no matter how you look at it, this is going to be an uphill task. This is going to be like um, like trying to you know pull a or push a push a cable car up the top of the hill, but i don 't know. You know, stranger things have happened, but I I like the idea of, you said, of of a leader. And I, strangely enough, think that leader might be Hideki Matsuyama as the Masters champion. The only thing there will be a little bit, as it's always been for these guys, is the language barrier, right? Hideki can speak decent English. He's just not very confident with it. But um, I think you need something like that. Or maybe you need need two or three players who are going to pull through there. Louis and is a great guy and a great player, but he's not kind of the rah-rah guy you need out front uh abe answer could be that guy but i think he's still a little bit behind there's no weird one guy who's pulling them all along i think last time they got that from ernie else in a lot mm-hmm. of ways so maybe it's a case of uh show me on the golf course and and you lead by by doing by doing that on the golf course but i still think the international team will have a better chance against the americans than the last european team but boy what a what a task it's going to be to try and uh, beat this juggernaut of a u.s squad
1: it's uphill all the way, and, Bob, you hit on so many things there, and I agree with you. Louis Oosthuizen is just not the personality type. Hideki, certainly with the respect, but uh, the language barrier makes it challenging. It might have to be leadership by committee. Ernie Els did a great job. You heard Trevor Immelman, Adam, in the, in the interview, Ernie creating identif- identity for this team. Here's a new logo. This shield needs to mean something to you guys. If it means nothing and it doesn't represent you, this isn't going to work. I don't know where... The the best international teams were when you you had Ernie, you had Vijay Singh, you had Greg Norman, you had personality types that garnered respect and leadership. And I don't see that here. Even if an Adam Scott were to get great form and play well... Adam Scott is one of the nicest human beings in the world, and he kind of falls into that same, hey, you know, under-the-radar kind of guy. I don't see Patrick Reed, for an example. I don't see, you know, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, uh, or even some of those. Look, look at the what we predicted this year. Quiet, young assassins for the American team. Morikawa, Cantley, Shoffley. These were silent assassins. I don't see it. Where do you see it coming from?
2: Well, I mean, I, I'm more optimistic on this international side. You know, given two years ago at Royal Melbourne, they got off to a big lead. They played some great golf. You know, The U.S. had to come back under playing Captain Tiger Woods to go on to win that President's Cup. You know, Abraham Anser could potentially be a leader. He, he wanted Tiger Woods in that singles match back two years ago. Of course, he lost. How about Jason Day? I mean, lost in the wilderness. If you, I, I mean, obviously, health is an issue. He's been through an equipment change as well. But if you recall back in 2013, paired with Graham Dillette, remember the fire we saw from both of those guys? You know what? I think that'd be great to see Jason Day get get back to health. I mean, you mentioned Adam Scott, too. Kind of a a strange year uh, for Adam Scott. It'd be awesome to see him get back to form. Uh, but in terms of, I mean, it, it, it would just be great. I know, obviously, we're a Canadian show to see Mackenzie Hughes or Corey Connors or two Canadians paired together because I, w- I could just see them feeding off each other uh, with energy, feeding off the crowd, even though they're on enemy territory, if you will. Um, but like Bob said, I think they definitely have a better chance uh, to win than this past uh, European Ryder Cup team, for sure.
3: Just, just quickly, how about, how about Graham Delette as an assistant captain? yeah what about that role? I mean that guy has fire in his belly. I'll tell you that, and he's he's not afraid to sort of say what's going on, so maybe if he doesn't do it this year, maybe uh we assume of course that it'll be Mike Weir from Montreal. maybe he picks him as one of the alternate captains. so uh, there just needs to be something some kind of a leader in there, maybe it's Mark Leishman, who knows you know who knows what the, who's going to be on this team first first of all.
1: Well, I think Graham Dillette as an assistant in Montreal in uh, 23 would be a wonderful decision, Bob, Underneath 24, excuse me, a wonderful decision under Mike Weir. And a lot can happen in 12 months and a couple of years. But I would suggest to you that the next two President's Cup are probably the best shot and the nicest window that we've had to get multiple Canadians and a Canadian pair on this team. Like It, it should happen in the next couple President's Cup, if not the next one considering the state of the international squad and the state of Canadian golf on the upswing, I think there's a good chance we see it. So come on boys, let's put it on the calendar. Let's make it a date on the other side, more GTC. We'll put a bow on hour one, get you caught up on all things, golf talk can, including a live on location, November the 15th. And we'll tee up hour two, which should be full of fireworks with a Greg Norman live announcement. I'm going live. Until somebody else tells me otherwise. This is Golf Talk Canada.
0: This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Weather Tech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf. Quality and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world.
1: Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada's Aquino Week Scully, a live edition of GTC on November 1st. November's here. Unbelievable. No masters this year in November. Thank <laughs> God don't need another one of those you know Pump you things.
3: know what it means though you know what it means mm-hmm. is that uh, you're no longer at least in ontario you can't put your handicaps in now that, this that is true is Handicap <gasps> season officially
1: closed so you are no longer official scores we are now in an, i believe that is lifted is it march 1st or april 1st pop that that is lifted somewhere in there it gets lifted on the other side um speaking of the other side what a crazy hour we have coming up we've got uh, huge news out of uh Uh, Live Golf Investments. Uh, Greg Norman has sold his soul. Uh, We'll get into that on the other side. Lots to dive into there. Winners Weird and What. Twitter Universe with poll questions. It's going to be a great hour too. You do not want to miss it whether you're listening to us on 1050, iHeartRadio, TSN Online, mobile app, etc. Speaking of mobile, November the 15th, Bob, Adam, and myself are going to be live on location at the Swing Golf Lounge in Etobicoke, the Swing Golf Lounge in Etobicoke, Monday, November the 15th, from 10 a.m. till noon, live on location, Adam Scully will be performing his long-distance driving tricks putting them to the test. He's flexing his muscles, stretching as we speak. Come out, try to outdrive Adam as Bob and I are giving you the play-by-play on what's happening in the swing uh, golf lounge bays. Uh, We're going to give away a couple of MG3 TaylorMade wedges as our friends from TaylorMade are going to be there. Uh, Our friends from Golfway Tours are going to be there. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it's all for a great cause. One, we are celebrating... The opening of winter golf season in Canada, as all Canadians are crazy about golf and we want to extend our season. So it's indoor golf season. Number two, uh, we are there for the uh, Daily Bread Food Bank Drive. So bring three uh, non-perishable food items. You'll get an automatic $5 off your first hour uh, in any bay at Swing Golf Lounge. And they're also going to be selling some very cool hats that go to feed families in the area. We're raising money. We're raising awareness. Uh, for the daily bread food bank, so come out it 's going to be a great day, a great cause Monday, November the fifteenth ten to fifteen if you 're a regular a regular listener or what uh, or, or or viewer, you just want to say hello, come by, uh say hi to us uh, we haven 't gotten out much in the last year and a half because there's uh, been a little thing going on in the background uh, called the pandemic that you might have heard of uh but now that 's kind of coming to an end with these. A wonderful uh, rebirth of society. We're all coming out of our cocoon. The Scotiabank uh, arena is full of people and people are traveling again and the travel advisory has been lifted for non-essential to most countries so hey let's get out there and let's get living again okay adam that is the radio update what about our tv updates
2: yeah so last week on tv we aired our tailor-made product special and coming up later in november mark you mentioned travel we have our ireland travel special where we'll take a look at some of ireland's great golf courses we'll also have an in-depth Look back at the 2019 Open Championship of Royal Portrush, which is important because Royal Portrush also hosting the Open in 2025, which we're looking forward to as well. That's later coming up in November. And then December, a couple of shows on television. Festivus, our favorite show of the year, of course. That'll be a fun one in around the holiday season. And then our year in review, also in December.
1: Yeah, Year in Review will air uh, alongside the other countdown shows and Year in Reviews, et cetera, later in December. And I believe the date for Festivus is live Monday, December the 13th. Live TSN 1050 radio as well as TSN 2 simulcast on TV. It'll be a Festivus for the rest of us. We'll bring in the Festivus poll, the Luce Libra wrestling masks, uh, streets, uh, Feats of Strength, Airing of the Grievances, which seems to take over most of the show, the Airing of the Grievances. Of course, it's our only live studio audience for the year as well. We always look forward to that. Yep. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. That is Mo- uh, Monday, December the 13th. But don't forget, Monday, November 15th, live on location at the Swing Golf Lounge. One more hour of GTC. You don't want to miss this. we got amazing Winners We're to What coming up. We're going to engage the Twitter universe. We had some pretty cool uh, Twitter poll conversations that happened last week and that are ongoing this week. But coming up next, right off the top of the next hour, on the other side, Greg Norman has just sold his soul. We'll tell you why. This is Golf Talk Canada.
0: This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit golftalkcanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Now, here are your hosts... Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully.
1: Welcome back. Hour 2, Golf Talk Canada. Whether you're listening online, mobile app, iHeartRadio, TSN 1050, right here in the T. dot. The gang is all here. Sakino, Weeks, and Scully. A jam-packed Hour 2. We're going to get to the Twitter universe. we put up a couple polls in the last two weeks. If you want to jump in, hit us up at Golf Talk Canada. We'll give you last week's results. This week, we want to know what is more likely... A career Grand Slam win for Rory at Augusta, Spieth at the PGA, Phil at the U.S. Open, or other. What could that other possibly mean? I kind of teased that last week. Winner's weird to What's going to be absolutely awesome. But first, if you missed it, the big news this week, there was a leak that there might be a new company called Live Golf Investments or LIV Golf Investments which is basically a Saudi Arabia-funded golf company that was interested in doing business with the Asian Tour. Now, to give you some texture and background before we jump into this, over the last few years, there has been multiple attempts to push back at the PGA Tour and create some competition in terms of, hey, there's another place in the world if you're one of the best players in the world to come play golf. First, it was the PGL, the Premier Golf League out of Europe, which was partly funded by Saudi money, not entirely funded, just a portion. And that went the way of the dodo bird. Then came the Super Golf League, which was solely a Saudi-funded tour that would have created a team event, a team sport. Huge dollars, Saudi Arabia Circuit-funded by uh, Golf Saudi. That also seemed to go away when some of the big players in the game, uh, the conscious, really, of the game of golf, Rory McIlroy, was open about uh, not uh, leaving the PGA Tour and not interested in such uh, a tour. Didn't elaborate as to so much why, but knowing Rory for who he is and what he is and what he has kind of led to stand for, maybe we know why. I don't know. That's another deeper dive. We'd have to have Rory on to know that. This week it was announced Greg Norman will head up as the CEO of Live Golf Investments or LIV Golf Investments. They are going to make a $200 million investment with a 10-year deal to the Asian Tour to set up a 10-event series that is backed by Saudi money. This is also, I believe, the group, Bob, that is in charge of the Saudi Invitational on the Asian Tour, which eight high-profile PGA Tour players, including Dustin Johnson, have asked to go play, asked for their release from the tour, so to speak, from that calendar spot to go play in the Saudi International. This is the start of something big coming. We are $500 billion money. That's right, billion That is more than a pinky to the chin. $500 billion in Saudi money backing this group. Greg Norman as the lead. Bob, I'm going to let you guys go because I will rant and I will kill this entire (laughs) segment and I don't want to do that. I've already spoken enough to give the context. My first question for you is, uh, Norman doing this just for money? Is this back to the early 90s when he tried to create his own world tour? Or is this an attempt to stay relevant because he's gone irrelevant in the last decade?
3: Uh, all of the above, I would I would say. I think Norman is, on one hand, saying, hey, you guys, PGA Tour kind of screwed me out of the World Golf Championship things back in the 90s. Uh, I still believe in that principle of a World Golf Tour, of a different kind of a golf tour. Uh, I like the limelight. I like being in front. I mean, as evidenced by his bare-ass shower Instagram shot. And... um and I think I think he believes that he's doing something to improve the game of golf. Like this is an, uh, uh, something that will be different. The way they're presenting it, it's going to be a little different, a little bit more like Formula One, where there will be teams. They won't necessarily play together, but you know how you have two racing two cars from the same team. So it could be something along those lines where one will win and the other one won't, uh, obviously. And but I think I think you know the investment in the Asian Tour is an interesting move because really what that does... Now, just a little bit of background. When the PGA Tour and the European Tour formed their union about a year and a half ago or so, the European Tour cut its ties with the Asian Tour. They used to co-sanction tournaments on that tour. Now, what this LIV Investments or Live Investments is doing by coming in and and partnering with the uh, Asian Tour is when they announce their real tour, their own separate tour, those events will be sanctioned by the Asian Tour which means world ranking points that was one of the things that the players have been asking for in this whole thing now we have heard stories about to me to me this doesn't go anywhere unless they get some players uh signed up some notable players if you guys i think you guys might be too young to Mark, you might not be but the world hockey association when it came into being way back they sort of became realistic when they signed bobby hull in winnipeg and i remember it was signing for a million dollars everyone was going oh my god a million dollars but if if uh, a Dustin Johnson or I don't know some big name gets out there and signs with this it does give it a hair of legitimacy um, but they're going to need more than one player unfortunately let's see what happens it's going to be really interesting if they make this announcement this week on announcing potential signings and potential series but for me nothing happens until we hear some players have signed on to this
1: they had a Quiet announcement last week. I say quiet because there was media in the room, but only invited media. It was a closed door controlled media because I think there's potential for someone to stand up with a moral compass and ask some real questions. And I'm kind of confused as to why more people don't have a problem with this from a moral compass standpoint as to where this money's coming from and where it's going uh wwe was just back again in saudi arabia uh, a week ago that is like their third trip in the last year and a half uh adam just some thoughts on what you've heard so far and are are you
2: like where do you like this feels uncomfortable to me it feels sketchy uncomfortable weird but like bob said this isn't going anywhere unless players sign up unless unless they have agreements with some you know fairly legitimate or you know world-class players i mean the the world ranking points obviously you know, adds a little bit here. But, you know, you mentioned Greg Norman and trying to be relevant again. He was on the Fox golf broadcast team for about four seconds. And then, you know, that lasted one term and then he was gone. Um, But this doesn't go anywhere without the players. And I mean, the players want to, you know, have their legacies on the line. They still want to play major championships. So this goes down the line of if they sign up here, are they still out to play in all the major championships? I don't know. I guess those are questions down the line if this does progress. But this, to me, is going nowhere with without a legitimate player or 10 signing up and partnering
3: yeah the other part of this equation too is broadcast who's going to broadcast this because if they don't have a broadcast partner it's not going to work now it's a little easier in these days where you could stream it maybe you get uh i'm not saying the zone would do it but something like that where you would stream it like they've done with um with uh uh, uh, premier league in -hmm. certain cases you know and 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 that's I mean, the money that's being spent around here, as you said, $500 billion is just amazing. I mean, this, this is a group that bought Newcastle in the Premier League, right? They own a soccer team. Uh, and, and the whole, I think, the name that's been given by Amnesty International is sports washing, right? They're trying to wash away all the human rights, all the bad things that they're doing by trying to distract everybody. Hey, look at this pretty little, uh, pretty little gold gadget over here. It's golf. It's, uh, it's soccer. It's all these other things that they're trying to improve their image with.
1: I'm glad you brought that up, Bob, because that's where I was going with this. This entire fund is created to change the image of Saudi Arabia on a global scale, so that when the world looks inward toward Saudi Arabia, they see the shiny new toy, the golf league, the soccer club, the visit from WWE. You know, there's a real free way of changing your image to the rest of of the world where it costs you nothing. You could stop lashing homosexuals, stop sending them to the death penalty, giving women's rights, upholding human rights, and in a, in a year, just from a golf perspective, forget what's happening in the rest of the world, just from a golf perspective, in a year where Justin Thomas accidentally used a gay slur that he regrets that was caught up by a microphone that was off to the side because he was angry at himself and lost a lot of public support, lost millions of dollars with his RLX agreement. And I'm not saying he's wrong to not lose that. I'm just saying that's what happened in the heat of the moment. Yet we're going to talk about broadcasting an entire tournament series and 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 watching some of the game's best players go over and play for millions of dollars backed by money who is completely you know just lighting like if this was nineteen thirty eight and Hitler wanted to do an event in Germany, does it does it, does that make it okay? Is the check clear? As long as the check clears, are the rest of us okay with that? Because if that's the case, then let's stop pretending and let's not uphold anybody's rights. And anybody can say what they want and do what they want, and we'll stop protecting everybody's rights anymore. And off you go. Check clears, go at it, boys. It makes me sick to my stomach, Bob. Am I overreacting to this?
3: No, I don't think so. You know, I think this is something that every player who is going to be asked to join this league, every person who's going to be asked to involve with this league is going to have to take a deep moral look inside and say, do I want to do this? Uh, is it money or is it my moral compass? And and listen, I, I can't make the decision for anybody. Some people may not have any problem with it. There's, As you said, there's eight players who put in to, uh, to play this year in the uh, Saudi Invitational uh, or International, and you know they include Dustin Johnson and Graham McDowell, two guys who are RBC players. Um, Staff members, by the way, RBC, when Dustin Johnson played there the last few years, asked for his lo- their logo to be taken off his shirt for that week. So there are other, you know, there's a lot at stake here. And and listen, it's a lot of money. Um, the report we had was that there's a player on the U- U.S. Ryder Cup team has been offered three years for $150 million. That's $50 million a year. You know, I, I'm sure people are going to think about it, but um, there's a lot more to money in this world, in my, <laughs> at least in my world anyway.
1: Well, I agree, Bob. Uh, The question then becomes, you know, what is your soul worth? And and that is the question being asked of many of the top players. What is your soul worth? And uh, for someone, uh, you know, who loves his wife, loves his mother, respects women, has gay friends, uh, you can't put a number on it. So there you go. Adam, closing thought?
2: I think this is going to go down for players. What do they want to be remembered by? Do they want to be remembered as a, legacy, you know, major champion, world class player, you know, X amount of major wins, or as someone who is very rich and chased a lot of money just to get rich and keep playing golf. That's up to the player. This feels sketchy. This feels weird, but I know the story's developing and we'll have much more on this as, as the weeks go on.
1: My guest tells us this thing is gonna get us through the winter months with some <laughs> winners weird or what and some ranting along the way. Okay, we're gonna flip the switch and get more happy talk. We're going to go to our Twitter universe and see what you uh, felt, who you thought was going to be the number one player in the world. And we'll get to our new Twitter poll question. That coming up next. This is Golf Talk Canada.
0: This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and
1: play. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Zakina Weeks and Scully. Last week, we went to our Twitter universe and we asked, who do you think is going to be world number one when we hand out a FedEx Cup in August? Current world number one is uh, John Rahm, Murakawa 2, DJ 3. And, of course, we've got players like Rory and Bryson and Cantley and Shoffley all on the rise. Although Bob, Adam, and I did uh, describe a few possible scenarios that we think uh, that we kind of were interested in, the three of us, when, when push came to shove, all went with the same name, Colin Murakawa. Our Twitter universe went with John Rom. Morikawa second at 27%, Dustin Johnson third in 17%, other at 11%. I'm sure a lot of that 11% other vote was after Rory's victory at the CJ Cup. Before we get to our Twitter audience and what they're saying right now, let's pose the question to you gentlemen. The question this week is, what's more likely guys? A career grand slam at Augusta with Rory? at the PGA with Spieth, at the U.S. Open with Phil, or other? Adam, let's start with
2: you. What do you think is the best chance at a career Grand Slam, if there is one? I mean, I'd love to say Rory. I really would. But if Rory's going to eventually do this, he has to figure out his opening rounds at major championships. Nine of his last ten opening rounds at major championships, he has not broken 70s same amount of rounds in the 60s as in the 80s so uh, you think you think Augusta National would be perfect for Rory McIlroy hitting these high towering draws you know the putter is hit or miss you know some weeks it's it's definitely not the strength of his game but driving is the strength of his game you think he would just obliterate Augusta National and yes he's had chances to win But he's got to figure out those opening rounds. I still think Rory McIlroy has a better chance of completing the career grand slam than Phil or Jordan Spieth this year, but something has to give for those opening rounds. Okay,
1: so you think it's unlikely, but you're still going to go with Rory as your pick in the vote. Um, And I hear what you're saying about being able to take advantage of par fives and the long driving, etc. It's kind of interesting because we think, Bob, of Adam, uh, we think of Augusta as as a bomber's paradise. Which it can be. The years that Bubba won, dominating par fives. Uh, the year that Mickelson won with two drivers, you know, he's won a bunch of times. But, uh, but year in and year out, decade after decade, it's the best iron player. The stats suggest to us that wins at Augusta. Strokes gained approach. Tiger Woods, the best iron player in the last 30 years. Look what Tiger's done at Augusta. There's other examples. So is, is it the iron play? That is holding back Rory at Augusta because that has been the struggle, especially short irons. And who's your vote with? Who do you think has the best chance of career Grand Slam next year?
3: Boy, it's so hard to uh, to look at it, but I think I think I I, I, I want to go with Rory, but I think I will probably go with Jordan Spieth, and I just think that Rory has it in his head about Augusta National. That's the toughest thing for him to get over. He's tried it so many different ways. He's come in there saying, I'm going to be all amped up. I'm going to come in here like it's another week. I'm going to come in here uh, working on my putting. I'm going to come in here working on my driving. Uh, I think a lot of people really want to see him finish that off. But I, I think Jordan Spieth right now, when you consider um, what the PGA is set up is like, it's more like a regular PGA Tour event than any of the other majors. So I think that gives him a better opportunity to win at that course than it does for uh rory to win at augusta national
1: and this year at southern hills in tulsa oklahoma in may coming up okay before i get to who i like if the masters was in two weeks guys if the masters was in two weeks from now and you can only give me one name just one name who's that name bob
3: uh gotta be john rom i think i think he's got a good game power game kind of a guy who can who can make it work right through the bag, and I just think he's riding a wave of confidence right now after a great year last year.
2: Adam? Just to be different, I'll go Morikawa. Just the year he had getting over whatever the back injury was at the end of the FedEx Cup playoffs, a great performance at the Ryder Cup. Putter seems to be figured out at this point. I'll go Morikawa. And that's the name I'm going to go with,
1: Morikawa. I liked him last year at Augusta, and I like him this year at Augusta coming up because he's the best iron player in the game, and I like him on... Greens where you need that tentative stroke. Uh, Although he did win at the Open Championship by going back to a conventional grip with more hit at impact. So maybe we're underestimating Morikawa as a putter to begin with when you can win on fast greens at a WGC and a PGA and win on POA and then win on Bermuda on the other side of the country and then go win on another continent and and win in Scotland where you got to like, you know, pound it uh, at at the Open Championship. So I'm going to go with Morikawa. And because I'm going to go with Morikawa, my vote's going to be other. Because if Colin Morikawa wins at Augusta, he'll have a chance to complete a career grand slam two months later at the U.S. Open, which happens to be in the state he grew up in, which happens to be on the West Coast at L.A. Country Club, where no one really has a great advantage or familiarity with this property because it's the first time all of us are really going to see it. And it's newly renovated, yada, yada, yada. So I'll go with Colin Morikawa winning at Augusta and all eyes focused in June at the U.S. Open for a career grand slam in a very short period of time. Adam, what's our Twitter universe saying right now? Where are they leading, leaning at the moment?
2: Yeah, so right now, uh, 68% of our Twitter audience is liking Rory McIlroy, George Spieth's at 24%. Uh, Phil, 4.4%, and other right now is at 3%. People, Some people still believing Phil can win the U.S. Open. How great of a story would that be? It'd be awesome. If you're in that 3% other,
1: you're in the Zucchino Morikawa at Augusta Boat, or that 3% doesn't count because I don't know who else it would possibly be at this point off the top of my head that's you know in form, playing great, that's got two... Um, what, say, does, Kepka, uh, what does
2: Kepka need? He, he needs a Masters and an Open Championship. So so there he you go. go. So Dustin if,
3: Johnson? Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah.
3: PJ so, and an Open?
2: PJ and Open. So there's a couple
1: of guys that need two that it could potentially be. Uh, Bob, is the Rory McIlroy, that's New England uh, Patriots money, you're seeing there on our Twitter poll, <laughs> in the sense that uh, he's so popular and uh, and the fact that, Sometimes what you what you've seen most recently is the greatest thing you've ever seen. So that CJ Cup is fresh in our brain. Is that why you think it's so heavy, Rory?
3: Hey, we're we're all uh, we're all victims of that uh, that game where we you know the guy who's just played the best recently is the guy who's top of mind, and we can't think this guy's ever going to lose again. So uh, yeah, I think I think a lot of it is on that. I think I think, dude, though people do really believe that Rory has the game, as as Adam was describing, to play well at Augusta National, and it's just. You know, there's there's this there's two two sides to these things, and these two blocks fit together somehow, but we just haven't figured out how to how to magically make them go together. And uh, until Rory figures that out, he's still going to be on the outside scratching his head.
2: Yeah, and you you think back to that November Masters, like you mentioned, Mark, last year, where McIlroy out of the gates he was just awful. He was he missed the 16th green in, into the water by 20 yards, hit the smother hook, and he recorded after saying. Where the hell did this come from? And then he backdoored to top five. It's all in mental for Rory McIlroy, I think, to try to complete the career grand slam. If he can just shoot 69, 68 in the first round this coming April, look out.
1: That's going to be fun. I can't wait. I can't believe. You know when you start thinking
2: about the Masters,
1: the day after the Masters ends. You hand out a green <laughs> jacket, you start looking forward to next year's Augusta. Okay, Great winners, weird or what? So much coming up in 3-dub. We'll do it on the other side. This is Golf Talk Canada.
0: This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Springtime is a lot like a Cadillac. Spirited, vibrant, and you definitely know when it arrives. Put a little spring in your drive with the Cadillac XT4, XT5, or XT6. Visit Cadillac.ca. Your Cadillac is waiting. Cadillac, never stop arriving.
1: Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Zacchino, Week Scully. We could have done an entire winners' weird of what just on segment five today. Bizarre. So we've left that out because there's a lot of better stuff to get to. Uh, it was an exciting week. I can't believe it's November and there's still so much to cover. Let's jump into it. Three dub winners' weird of what and this week? The tea is mine.
0: I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the
1: truth! Well, on one of the worst days of weather we have seen in years on the PGA Tour, uh, the round of the year might have been shot on the calendar year. And if you want to break it up into seasons, when we hand out a FedEx Cup next August, we might look back to this October that just closed the door on Halloween and say that was the best round of the season. Scott Stallings, yesterday at the Bermuda Championship, in a 35-mile-per-hour wind, shot 62. Let me tell you how good this round of golf is. And it will go unnoticed because Scott Stallings shot T, uh, finished T5. He will not win. A lot of people were not paying co- close attention to this event. It was a weak field. Uh, it's a time of year going against NFL. It, only the diehards are watching the Bermuda Championship. So people are going to forget this round, but we should not. Bogey free 62, nine under par, 10 shots better than the scoring average on Sunday, three shots better than the next best round, which was Patrick Reed at six under, who was two shots better of the next best round at four under. It was dominant. He was playing a different golf course. He was playing a different sport. Bob, it reminded me of when we were at Augusta a few years ago in the worst win we ever saw on a Thursday at the Masters, and Charlie Hoffman shot what I thought was a round of the year. This had that kind of feel to it.
3: Same kind of thing. It's just like you just cannot believe this guy is playing in the same conditions, on the same pin placements. I mean, it was amazing to watch Scott Stallings. He's a guy who's completely transformed his body over the last few years, by the way, as well. He is absolutely ripped right now, and uh, it's, it's helping his golf game. But that's right. You just you wonder if, uh, I mean, I, I think there's probably you get a few breaks, you know, you get a few bounce-ins rather than bounce-outs, and uh, all those things kind of work with you. But you're right. That was exactly what I thought of about Charlie Hoffman. I think he shot 67 that day, and I don't know if anybody else got in the 60s. So quite a performance by Charlie Hoffman, but quite a performance by Scott Stallings
1: yesterday. Unbelievable play, and good on Scott. Three-time winner on the PGA Tour, almost made it four. Okay, my weird this week, Adam, I know you love Phil Mickelson on social media, but how about Josh Allen, quarterback of the Buffalo Bills? They ended up covering yesterday, the Bills against Miami. It was looking like uh, they weren't going to cover the 14, but they ended up winning by 15. Josh Allen with another great performance. The Bills look solid if you're a Bills fan. But Josh Allen, he's a Phil Mickelson fan. Comes to the stadium dressed as Phil Mickelson for Halloween, Along with the Kiowa Island PGA Visor, Phil had a great response on social media. Adam, did you see Phil's response?
2: Yeah, I did see Phil's response uh, talking about, uh, I'm trying to pull it up here. It was something about
1: uh, being oddly attracted to him or something along those lines.
2: He said, I I find this new version of Josh Allen so seductive, and yet I can't quite put my finger on what exactly it is. Go with Phil. (laughs) Phil (laughs) Absolutely love it. And if you saw the images, when he
1: came in dressed like Phil, he was giving the thumbs up to everybody, giving the Phil thumb. Well done, Josh Allen, having a little fun there. Uh, before uh, a division rivalry game against the Dolphins yesterday. And by what? Not going to harp on it. Not going to stay deep. But the PGA Tour isn't the only ones that should be uh, having their finger... Not the PGA Tour, excuse me, but some of the players in the world that are considering this new golf league. They're not the only ones we should be waving their finger at. There are some players on the LPGA Tour, including Lydia Ko, that are skipping the final second-last event of the year to play back-to-back in Saudi Arabia-sponsored women's events, Bob. I mean, from a lady's perspective, I mean, this is not, it's it's more. It's, I don't even have words why some of the best female players in the game would even entertain this. I'm going to let it go from there. And Bob, you have a, you have a comment, please. The only
3: only thing I could say is the women make a lot less money than the men, so Lydia Ko maybe not a perfect example, but if there were some other ones who don't have quite the financial resources, maybe they're doing it for that, but still doesn't jibe with me.
1: Now, I'm with you. All right, Bob, the T. Is yours. So, so what do I do? Just aim
3: for the pond.
1: No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water.
3: But you hit it into the water.
1: I know, I
3: hit it into the water.
1: Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there?
3: Because it's fun. We're having
1: fun. Look, it went further than your ball. All
3: right, my winner this week is sort of a melancholy note. We'll say a little bit of a sadness here, which is, uh, it's sad to see Brittany Marchand, who was a very talented golfer, uh, calling it a career. She kind of went back and forth between the Symmetra Tour and the LPGA Tour, but she could never quite get her footing going onto the LPGA Tour on a full-time basis. I thought she had a remarkable game. I've watched her play a number of uh, tournaments over the years, and uh, it's just sort of sad, but in a good way, she's made her decision. She's comfortable with it, and it it kind of goes back a little bit, Mark, to what I was just saying. You know, it's not a wealthy uh, sport on the LPGA Tour, especially if you're on that Symmetra Tour, and Brittany Marchand used to drive along uh in a in a hatchback car no I guess it was like a, a an SUV with all her stuff in there going from tournament to tournament including a pull cart when she was playing on the Symmetra Tour they used her pull cart she is a uh, remarkable story she's also got an engineering degree so I guess she's going to go out into the world and find a uh, a job where she can probably use that degree and maybe use her golf along with it as, as self. Adam uh did you ever have a chance to see Brittany play golf
2: I believe I saw Brittany play a couple of holes at the CP Women's Open a couple of years ago. Uh, that's top of mind. All I can think of. Mark, have you?
1: Uh, I, I got to see her hit some shots, but I, I just wanted to comment on Bob. Like uh, you know, our listeners automatically gravitate to Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, and you know, think it's a world of millions of dollars. But you're right, Bob. There's there's golfers out there that have been doing it a long time on other tours that got to make real life decisions, and this is a an example of that
3: exactly uh my weird this week uh, goes to london ontario and it's a bit of a kind of a congratulations we've talked a lot about um talked a lot about municipal golf courses and how they are getting the short end of the stick and there's other uses we can have for 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 uh for municipal golf courses rather than just plowing them under and building on them or making them into vegetable gardens or whatever and the city of london is taking an interesting tack they have a couple of i think three golf courses in london ontario and they are going to set up some trailers on the golf course or on the parking lots of the round, the golf courses for as drop-in centers for homeless people throughout the winter. And they thought this was a cool idea because the the clubhouses, I don't think they'll be in the clubhouses, but I think they have cooking facilities so they can cook meals for these people and help them kind of make it through the colder, uh, harsher months. And I thought that's a, a very different tactic, but a good use of a golf course that's basically going to be sitting there through the winter months unused. And now let's help out some of the less fortunate people in in that, Adam, what do you think?
2: That's just a, a that's a great news story. That um, sort of gives you a chills thinking about what uh, what's being done there. I that, yeah, nothing really kind to of say. neat. <laughs>
3: and my what this week is uh, what a time this is for two of Canada's best golfers, Michael gligick and Corey Connors, are both sitting at home. They're not playing this week. Michael actually pulled out of last week's tournament, and the reason is. They're both awaiting the arrival of children. They're going to have babies out there. Now, I don't know about Michael, but Corey and his wife Mallory told me that they actually went against the grain, and they don't know what the sex of their baby is going to be. Oh. So they're waiting for it to arrive, and when it uh, arrives, they'll find out if, uh, if they have a, a girl or a boy. And Michael Glickick, I think, I think their due date is this week, and I think Corey's might be maybe one more week, but uh, both sitting with anticipation to become parents. And uh, I guess that means, Adam, after that, the tea is yours.
2: Yeah, well, I I had the coffee. I got to activate the calves, and I got to step on one here. (laughs) Come on, baby. That's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs and attack the pen. So, gents when i say the name rocco mediate i think a lot of our viewers or listeners this morning you know tuning in will think 2008 us open what could have been the guy who lost in the playoff to tiger woods 91 holes later just lost to a tiger woods with a broken leg but rocco mediate now he's my winner this week you might think why on earth is rocco mediate your winner well rocco mediate is new to the social media game and on instagram He's providing tips, all kinds of tips on short game, full swing, uh, mental, uh, e- even some stuff between rounds where he was, he's sitting by a laundromat. So sort we're of talking about the, the glory of being a professional golfer. So I'd recommend all of our listeners go out, follow Rocco Mediate on Instagram. He gives some great, simple uh, tips and advice. And, you know, Mark, it's great to see players like this go on to, uh, to you know, to, to try to help the viewers uh, with their games.
1: Yeah, there's something interesting too. Uh, You know, Rocco sometimes does tips barefoot and whatnot, yeah. and play golf barefoot. And the other thing about Rocco too, if you've seen some of his tips, because I've seen some of his short game tips, I don't know about his his tee to green stuff, but some of his short game tips, he has very different ways of playing certain shots. You know, you and I, Adam, like to play that flop shot where it's just it's just. Staying connected, and it's turn and turn, and you almost, in a way, keep your hands out of it. Rocco plays that shot almost casting the golf club. If you hear him in some of his lob chips, he almost throws the club at the golf ball at the bottom, really exposing the bounce of the club. So there's, you know, there's different ways to hit a golf ball, and Rocco's a great guy, knows his stuff. So if you're if you're looking for a few new thoughts on how to play old shots, he's a good follow.
2: That's right, for sure, totally. uh Yeah, he's a great follow. Okay, my weird this week. Russell Knox had a new looper on the bag this week in Bermuda, and his looper was was at once upon a time a pretty darn good professional golfer in his own right. And that's Willie Wilcox, who retired from competitive golf earlier this summer, thirty five years old. You might remember he made a hole in one in the twenty sixteen Players Championship uh, on the seventeenth hole at TPC Sawgrass, and potentially i would think this is the case the first ever player caddy duo to have both shot 59 as professionals at some point during their career they both shot 59 on the corn Ferry tour back in 2013 uh and bob these guys came t12 at, at bermuda so maybe we'll see this partnership going forward
3: It's amazing to think of Willie Wilcox is not out there playing because he was a really good, really good golfer in the early days. I remember seeing him at a Canadian Open one time, I think, and uh, watching him play. And I thought, I think it was just on the range, but I thought, man, how can this guy miss? And now he's caddying. But there's
2: a lot of good caddies out there. That's for sure. Yeah, a lot of good caddies uh, in their own right. Now, my what this week, we've spoken at length throughout the show about the conditions that were at the Bermuda Championship. Some carnage out there, lots of wind, lots of rain, specifically on thursday's first round and sunday's final round now matthew fitzpatrick was the betting favorite heading into the week and after an interesting opening round with the conditions he spoke about how challenging it was and i believe we have the audio of fitzpatrick talking about how challenging the conditions were and he hit a big drive what he thought was a big drive but didn't really go as far as he thought let's take a listen
4: Uh, this was comfortably the hardest win i've ever played in and uh, you know I hit, I absolutely ripped a drive on uh, my well on seven. Uh, people are going to laugh at this because they'll probably think it's me, my normal t-shirt anyway. But I, I ripped it and it went 245, you know. And, and that's I think my season average last year was like 295. So just shows you how strong it is. And
2: there you go, hitting a 245-yard bomb into the wind. You could tell <laughs> just how challenging the conditions were in Bermuda.
1: I find it amazing, too, guys, like Matthew Fitzpatrick, uh, English. There was a lot of European players that echoed those statements uh, in the field. Hardest wind I've ever played in. For guys that grew up in England and Scotland and Ireland and places like that, I was shocked. But that goes to show you how rough it was out there in Bermuda. You know, our uh, my colleagues Will Haskett and uh, Kevin Sylvester were on the ground for this one. Uh, and, and they, you know, we were talking offline, off air, and, and they were, they were shocked, uh, and were wondering if we were even going to be able to broadcast, uh, cause that's how much, uh, wind and background noise. And there was a couple of times where, uh, Kevin almost got hit by a, 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 limb falling from a tree. And we've seen that back in the past, uh, Bob, where they've shut down, uh, the course for spectators cause it's unsafe and things along those lines. So it was interesting. They got it in. And uh, almost a Canadian win, but uh, wow, what a week in Bermuda. Okay, on the other side, we will put a bow on all things Golf Talk Canada, wrap up. And uh, Scully, we'll update on what the plan is next Monday, because I'm going to be out of town. So we've got to figure that one out as well. We'll do it all next. This is Golf Talk Canada.
0: This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cadillac. Springtime is a lot like a Cadillac, spirited, vibrant, and you definitely know when it arrives. Put a little spring in your drive with the Cadillac XT4, XT5, or XT6. Visit Cadillac.ca. Your Cadillac is waiting. Cadillac, never stop arriving. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new ZG21. Lightweight with zero compromise.
1: All right, let's do some leaderboard updates. Not a lot of golf. Champions Tour will move to their second playoff event next week. LPGA is going to restart again. Uh, Corn Ferry not playing. European Tour wasn't playing this week. Leaderboard updates brought to you by Bushnell Golf, number one rangefinder in all of golf. Visit bushnellgolf.com for your rangefinder and GPS needs. <laughs> Lucas <laughs> Herbert gets it done on Bermuda. Uh, Patrick Reed with a nice Sunday as well to make the push to get to a T second. And Taylor if the Canadian story there, a tie for fifth, his best finish on the PGA Tour for Taylor Penrith. Let's take a look at the uh, FedEx Cup points list as the FedEx Cup top 10 looks like so Sam Burns Sanjay M Hideki Matsuyama and Max Homa the top four no change there Lucas Herbert vaults to a tie for fifth with Rory McIlroy Colin Murakawa Cameron Tringali Maverick McNeely Matthew Wolf round out the top 10 all right Golf Channel live on location Monday to November the 15th at the Swing Golf Lounge. That's Monday, November the 15th at the Swing Golf Lounge in Etobicoke. 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Come by, say hello, participate, try to outdrive Adam Scully. We'll be doing uh, the play by play. Bob and I, as Adam flexes his muscles and takes massive rips to try to hit bombs in the bay as he's given us his best. Hulkster impersonation up here on our Zoom call this morning. We're going to give away some MG3 wedges with our friends at TaylorMade. Our friends from Golfway Tours are going to be there. It's all support of the Daily Food Bank. Uh, bring three non-perishable food items. You're going to get $5 off your first hour at a hitting bay. They're going to be selling some product bookmarks, great-looking caps to feed people in the area. It's all for a good cause, so come out Monday, May the 15th. Last week, we ran our tailor-made product special on Golf Talk Canada TV. In the upcoming weeks, you're going to get an updated version of our Northern Ireland travel special. Uh, We were unable to go to Ireland and shoot our Southwest episode this year due to the pandemic. We will be going next year to shoot the Southwest version, but watch for the Northern Ireland repeat update version coming in the next few weeks. December the thirteenth, Festivus for the rest of us. Live, 10 a.m. to noon, TSN 1050, iHeartRadio, Radio mobile app, as well as a simulcast, TSN Two TV. We will air the grievances, feats of strength, live studio audience. Festivus Monday, December the thirteenth. Skulls, what's going to go next week? I'm out of town. Are, are we live? Are you and Bob? Are we going to do a best of before our live on location? What's happening next Monday?
2: Yeah, so next Monday, we'll have a best-of special. Maybe it'll just be best-of March rants, and it'll just be you ranting for two hours. Maybe. How many
1: hours do we have? Hold on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: probably not but you know what there's a chance it might be we'll, we'll run a best of special and then yes like you mentioned two weeks today live on location i'm gonna try to get my swing speed up here hopefully don't injure anything in the next two weeks and we'll see if uh anyone can outdrive me i i, I say chances are pretty good
1: i don't know it's tough i mean your ball speed is ridiculous i mean it's absolutely insane how far you're here to get now, Bob, unfortunate for you and I, because we were about to put our 79-1 and record on the line, and we found out this week that our Carlsbad trip is not doable for this year. They are... Uh, doing a facelift to the kingdom, which I find amazing because the place is already incredible. And every time we go back there, it gets better and they've reinvested. But they're doing another fa- facelift. We'll get down there next year, maybe in the spring, possibly, if not back to our winter trip. We are going to see the new tailor-made product this December at the mothership in Woodbridge, Ontario. I'm sure, you know, I always like going up to Woodbridge because I'm surrounded by my cousins in every direction. Um <laughs> But, Bob, are you disappointed that the year has come to a close for Team Weeksino at 85-1 career?
3: You know, I'm thinking uh, you've just mentioned two things, and it just gave me a great idea. You mentioned the swing lounge, and you mentioned not being able to go down to play a real course outside. So one plus one, maybe we have a sim event.
1: Ah, okay, I see something maybe for the winter here. Uh maybe maybe Wexino takes on Team Recoil in a simulator.
2: Yeah. I I'm, would, thinking, uh, I'm thinking Instagram live. I Instagram mean, live. Yeah, there we go.
1: I like go. okay, that's something uh certainly to put uh possibly on the on the uh calendar for the winter. Uh before we wrap it up, what's up this week guys? Uh what do we do? Are we What's the PJ? We're in New Mexico. Uh, we'll be that. Bob, you working on any stories?
3: I have a big piece coming out on Corey Connors a little bit later this week, just talking nice. about uh, his year and how he's kind of become, for the time being anyway, because things change quickly, uh, the major domo of Canadian men's golf. So we're going uh, to have that posted up probably on Wednesday. And then, of course, we got, uh, we got our edge picks coming up, too.
1: Yep, don't forget our Edge Picks. They'll be posted for Mexico this Wednesday. You can go to tsn.ca or follow Bob on social media to find that piece on Corey Connors later this week. Adam, have a great week. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow for our Edge Picks, which go on Wednesday. Best of next week and then live Swing Golf Lounge the following Monday, November the 15th. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, the first good decision on the golf course, it always starts in the closet.
0: This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new ZG21. Lightweight with zero compromise. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit golftalkcanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network.